Fernando Tatis Jr. with one of the biggest contract extensions in MLB history, and he's only played 143 games. We are going to be talking about it today on Dinging Corners, and we are also going to be talking about three big storylines that I'm interested in. There's going to be multiple storylines that everyone else is interested in, but here are three that I'm interested in going into the season. So sit back and enjoy today's Dinging Corners. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Dinging Corners, a baseball podcast powered by Slab Stocks. I am your host, Nate, and today we are going to be covering three storylines that I find intriguing. But before that, we had some major, major breaking news that I heard right before recording this podcast, and that is Fernando Tatis, 100 or 100, $340 million deal for 14 years, ties him through San Diego until the, his age 36 season, um, huge amount of money, broke records for uh, the amount of money somebody got pre-arbitration, and it's the third largest contract, I believe, in baseball history, so huge, huge deal for Fernando Tatis, we'll dive into his numbers a little bit, and then we'll get into the storylines, if you're wondering why I'm holding a bat, uh, it's because it's signed by Fernando Tatis himself, and uh, I've had it back here this entire time. Um, Aaron's probably going to kill me when he edits this and sees me holding it, but uh, Fernando Tatis, the man, the myth, the legend, $340 million, and I am lucky enough to have a signed bat by him, always in the background. Um, I'll try to get it more prominently displayed now, now that I know he's going to be a Padre the rest of his life. But we'll put this away so it stays safe and sound, and we will get into Fernando Tatis. So we're on Fernando Tatis here, Fangraphs, and uh, last year, right? And we're going to cover some stats here, so get ready for some boringness. But last year, he's played 143 games total. You can see that down here. 143 games in his entire career, Fernando Tatis. And yet he signed $340 million. Obviously, you all know baseball, so you know a, a season is 162 games long for the most part and until last year when it was 60. Um, we'll see if we play a full 162 this year. But he has yet to play, quote-unquote, a full season of baseball. And yet they just gave him $340 million guaranteed so that he stays a Padre for the rest of his life. Uh, for the most part, uh, he'll be 36, obviously, so he could sign a little deal at the end there. But Fernando Tatis, 2019 to 2020, you see the stats here. He rose, he raised, he rose, he raised uh, his walk percentage by 2.4%, which is huge. He lowered his strikeout percentage by almost 6%, which is huge. He's down to 10.5% walk rate, 24, 23.7% K rate last year. He rose his iso isolated power uh, by 23 points uh, from 2.272 to 0.295. Uh, and he, um, home runs, uh, 17 and 59 games compared to 22 and 84 games in 2019. So all of that stuff went up a really good sign. You know what? Another good sign is his batting average balls in play. Babip, you see it right here in 2019. He had a 410 Babip last year, much more manageable 306 Babip. You can never expect a 410 to keep playing, but you can expect a 306 Babip to keep playing. He didn't get lucky or anything. So when you look over at his numbers, 277 on the year with a 366 on base and a 571 slugging, that's extremely good. Um, we're talking about a, like a 930 OPS, 937 OPS there. 
Uh, that's insanely good. A 149 WRC plus, that's insanely good. The 150 the season before WRC plus, not sustainable because of the 410 BABIP. But he got better in every facet of his game. And so he had a 149 WRC plus, 1% worse than the year before, but a significantly lower BABIP, which means it wasn't luck. And if we dive deeper into the numbers here and we scroll down and we look at, um, if we scroll a little bit more, we look at like strike rates and stuff outside the zone swings. He lowered that by almost uh, by two percentage points last year in the zone swings. He lowered that a little bit contact rate outside the zone. He rose, he raised that zone contact that lowered a little bit, not alarming contact rate overall rose. Now that's a little bit alarming is that his outside the zone contact rose and his inside the zone contact lowered in that he's probably hitting bad pitches. Now, if he can drive him good for him, like, Vlad Guerrero Sr. If he can't, you end up like Orlando Arcia swinging at everything and making weak contact. But that's obviously not Fernando Tatis making weak contact because if we go down to his or up, sorry, I missed it earlier, to his contact percentages, we see this. Hard contact, 2019, 41.9%. 2020, 54.9%. That is a 14% or a 13% yeah, 13% rise, which is insane. 37.2% um, medium contact, which is right in line with 37% from 2019. But then soft contact in 2019 was 21%. Last year was 8%. Um, so that dropped drastically while hard contact rose. And he's pulling the ball a little bit more, which I like to see in San Diego. Um, just how big of a ballpark it is. I think it's a little bit easier to pull home runs as a righty, but I don't have the stats to back that up, so I could be wrong. And then um, one alarming thing here that uh, maybe we'd like to see switched around a little bit, his fly ball percentage rose, which no coincidence, his home runs probably rose too, but ground ball percentage, line drive percentage, line drive percentage dropped 16.5% to 16.5%, and his ground ball percentage rose to 48%. I'd like to see those flip-flop a little bit if I can nitpick one of the best players in baseball. Um, but obviously, all of these back-end stats here paint a rosy picture. You know, none of this was luck. This was all absolute talent, skill, God-given ability. And so Fernando Tatis has the whole package. This is one of those guys where if you use the eye test, you can tell Fernando Tatis is really good. I know there's a lot of guys that like to use the eye test, and no matter how I feel about it, you can tell. Fernando Tatis, great guy. If you use the advanced stats, guess what? It also backs up what your eyes are telling you. Fernando Tatis, amazing. Um, uh, three win above replacement by Fangraphs last year in 59 games, or 2.9 in 59 games. You know, we're talking about like a six win above replacement player over a full season. That's really incredible and uh, really good for him. Let's look at prices here real quick. And I'm going to refresh this. I did this probably 10 minutes ago. I looked this up 10 minutes ago. So you're looking at a tops update uh, rookie debut for $136 by it. Now, let's see how far down the list that is. Guys, that is. That is so far down the list. So it's here if you're looking on video. And we've got 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 19 cards sold in the last maybe 10 minutes of Fernando Tatis. And look at these prices. Somebody just bought a top series 2 uh, PSA 10 for 
almost $300, $300 here, uh, $300 there, a Topps Heritage high number PSA 10 for $200. That's insane. A Topps Chrome pink for eight, um, a Topps Chrome update rookie debut for $225. Like prices are exploding as we speak. I imagine when I wake up in the morning, when we wake up in the morning or when you're watching this, these will be over 300, maybe 320. The Fernando Tatis bat just dropped on the floor. Uh, bad, bad omen. Um, but uh, I imagine these are going to be up to 300. I don't even have a clue what something like a Topps Chrome rookie debut is going to be at 225 already. That's insane. That's a card that would have been worth nothing, you know, two years ago. And now you're looking 225 for a PSA 10 of a rookie debut. Um, absolutely mind boggling what's going on there. So if you got your cards, maybe now is the time to sell them as people are that much more excited, but also maybe now is the time to uh, hold because you know Fernando Tatis is going to be a Padre forever, and people really, really like that. They don't really like the guys. You look at like a guy like Mookie Betts, his prices are high, but if he was a one-team guy, I feel like his prices would be higher, but he's not. Um, and you see guys like that in every sport where they move around and their prices just aren't the same. Uh, a Kyrie Irving type guy, right? Really good, but no loyalty because he's on his third team in his brief career here. So uh, huge, huge that Fernando Tatis is going to be in the Padres uniform for the next 14 years. Keep those cards, sell those cards. There's really no wrong rhyme or reason to it, but be excited. Be excited, Fernando Tatis. Be excited for the Padres. Be excited for baseball that one of the uh, quote-unquote small market teams from a couple years ago could lock up their top player. Now they're not small market. They've signed Manny Machado to a $300 million deal. They signed Fernando Tatis to a $300 million deal. They signed Eric Hosmer to a huge deal. Um, they traded for you Darvish, who's on a huge deal. So they've got money, but it's nice to see. So that's what I got on Fernando Tatis, $340 million over 14 years. Very, very exciting. But let's move on to the storylines that I'm curious about this year. And there's obviously so many storylines, and everyone else is going to be paying attention to something different. Everyone is going to be paying attention to something different, and that's okay. Um, I'm going to give you three of the storylines I think are interesting. And, you know, there's a lot that I didn't pick uh, talk about. Jordan Alvarez coming back from injury. How's he going to do? That's interesting to me, but it's not on here. Uh, Keston Hira and Christian Yelich, as a Brewers fan, I'm interested on in how they bounce back. Are they going to bounce back? You know, that's interesting. That could be a major storyline for somebody else, but I'm not bringing it up today. Um, and so that, don't be offended if I don't bring up your specific thing that you're really interested in. Uh, these are just three things that I'm interested in and want to pay attention to. Or two things, actually. I only brought up two. Oh, no, there's three. There's three. I only have web pages for two. Um, and so, you know, are the Padres going to be amazing with Blake Snell and you Darvish in the fold, right? That's a storyline. Are the Dodgers going to be amazing with Trevor Bauer now storyline? So we'll see what happens, but these are three storylines that I'm curious about. And so I'm going to screen share again. So Vlad Guerrero, uh, junior, obviously number one prospect from a couple years ago. And you're looking at a guy who's been underwhelming. A lot of people like him still. I like him still. But a lot of people are also kind of underwhelmed by his stats. And I understand. Number one prospect. And you're looking at, if you look over here on Fangraphs, a 105 WRC plus in 2019 and a 112 WRC plus in 2020. 
good, above average, but not number one prospect worthy. If Wander Franco comes up at the end of this year or next year and does this, people are going to be really, really disappointed. Of course, Wander will have shortstop defense and all that stuff to boost his value, whereas Vlad does not have defensive value whatsoever or base path value. Um, so you're really betting on his bat carrying in places. But a 112 and a 105 WRC plus for a kid as young as Vlad, nothing to sneeze at, nothing to sneeze at at all. And plus, you look at these numbers, 8.9%, 8.2% walk rates, 17.7 and 15.6 strikeout rates. That's really nice. Now, you look at his numbers from last year, 2.262 2. average, 262 average, 329 on base and a 462 slugging. But he had a 282 uh, batting average balls in play. If he had a 308 like he did the year before or a 306 like Fernando Tatis did, I imagine he's batting almost 280, probably having a 340 on base, and maybe even having like a 480, 500 slugging. And then we're looking at him a much better light, a significantly better light than he than we did last year. And so don't give up on uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. And people aren't, and you can tell by the prices. And one last thing, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up. Vlad Guerrero Jr. has lost so much weight. I don't know what it's going to do for him. Um, Baseball-wise, losing weight, obviously it's good for him physically, and I'm sure he'll be able to leg out a few more ground balls. But uh, the the lost weight doesn't necessarily translate to instantly becoming a better player. I think a lot of people are like, oh, he lost weight. He's going to be great. Uh, that doesn't really do it for me. You know, Prince Fielder was a big man. He was a great player. It didn't matter about his weight, and it doesn't really matter about weight in baseball. But it is nice to see that he's putting in the work. Hopefully, he's been putting in the work with his swing and stuff because you look here, 2020, and I don't want to say his swing. He's a great player. He's a 1,000 times better hitter than I'll ever be. But he had a 54.6% ground ball percentage last year. That's got to change a little bit. That's too many ground balls. That's way too many ground balls. If he can get that to, like, 48%, 47%, that would be huge um, for being able to get, you know, use this line drive, use this hard contact, medium contact uh, in better ways. So look for him to maybe have a little bit of a swing change, hopefully, while he lost weight, maybe worked on that swing, elevate the ball a little bit more, and we're going to really see that power come into play. I'm believing in it. I'm hoping in it. Now let's look at a little Vlad Guerrero Jr., and we're going to – are going to be looking at his Bowman Chrome PSA 10. So this says Bowman Chrome rookie, but it's just his Bowman Chrome first prospect card PSA 10. And you're looking at 260 bucks. Shout out to Suplex Insights for not being able to get me the price on the first one. But we're looking at 260 for that one, and we're looking at 220 on February 7th for the last one on bids. I went on PWCC and I looked, and as far as I can tell, this is the highest price of all time. Uh, they've mostly been under $100. Uh, the past year or so, um, and then way long ago, they were under $100. Briefly, they got up to like $200, but I, don't, I didn't see any that hit $220. And yet, we're looking at $220 here. We're looking at $260. We're looking at $250 for a buy it now on February 17th. So we're looking at highs, career highs for Bowman Chrome First. And obviously, a lot of that has to do with Bowman Chrome First becoming more popular. You're looking at Wander Franco. Uh, Bowman Chrome first being really expensive. You're looking at Fernando Tatis, who we just talked about, Bowman Chrome first being really expensive. So it doesn't shock me that these prices are going up, but all-time highs for a guy that's been kind of disappointing, pretty crazy to me. Uh, we'll see where they go. 
there's probably still value in here if you believe in him. Um, full disclosure, I have a Topps Chrome Sapphire BGS 10 uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., so I want him to do well, along with a number of uh, Top Series 2 non-numbereds. So I want him to do well. You know, why would I not? He's he's the guy. He's a guy that I'm excited to see what happens. The lost weight, maybe a swing change could work wonders. And we look up and he has a 140, 150 WRC plus. And my BGS 10 goes from a thousand dollar card to a three thousand dollar card. Who knows what might happen, but I'm really excited. I'm ready to ride out that wave. My number two storyline that I'm interested in this year are two guys that had big-time strikeout problems last year and also really struggled in the second half of the season. I'm interested to see what these guys do because people are really excited about them. Luis Robert and Kyle Lewis. Um, full disclosure there, I've got eight Kyle Lewis's, I think, maybe nine Kyle Lewis's at, P at PSA right now. I probably won't get them back till next December. I pulled them all from boxes. I ripped a lot of Series 1 uh, retail. Whenever I'd walk into a Target last summer, I'd buy two, three packs. Um, and it was always there. So I always bought two, three packs every time I go in for deodorant or something like that. And so I got a lot of Kyle Lewis's. I got more Kyle Lewis's than everyone else. And I even at one point I was like, Aaron, if Kyle Lewis becomes really good, I'm sitting pretty. Lo and behold, Kyle Lewis became really good. That being said, do you want to bank on a guy like Kyle Lewis or Luis Robert? And since I'm talking about him a lot, we'll start with Kyle Lewis. Kyle Lewis last year, 14% walk rate, but almost a 30% K rate. So I said the other, somebody asked us, me in the Discord the other day, what a high K rate was. And then the next comment was, uh, don't worry about K rate. Mike Trout has a 21% K rate in his career. 21% is not high. If you think 21% is high, uh, I got news for you. It's not. I was thinking 30%, and Kyle Lewis is right on that cusp. He was 38.7% the year before. He is at 29.3%, which is, we, we'll round up a little bit, 30%. That's high for me. Um, I'm willing to look the other way. If you have a high walk rate, like he does, 14%, or if you have like incredible exit velocities, like Keston Hira did the year before in 2019. Keston Hira, great exit velocity, uh, great hard contact rate. The problem with these guys is that if one of these things disappears, if their eye goes down, if he suddenly starts walking at an 8% clip, or in the case of Keston Hira, where he started hitting the ball way less hard, his hard contact rate dropped from like 44% to 29%, you become an unplayable player. Uh, maybe not Kyle Lewis because the defense should be okay, but uh, guessing here, defense is terrible. He's moving to first base. So if the bat doesn't play, he's not a very useful player. Um, and so that's why I worry about that. The high strikeout rate is because if one thing drops off, you know, if, um, especially a guy like hard contact, if you get a nagging wrist injury, something like that, you're not driving the ball and then you're becoming useless. And so that's where I'm at on that. So 29.3% kind of scares me. These are the type of guys that if I get the cards in, I'm probably not holding long-term. I know there's huge potential here for a guy like Kyle Lewis or a guy like Luis Robert to become like a 40, 40 guy but that's just a little bit too much risk for me. I'd rather take the $60 PSA 10 or in Louis Roberts uh, case, the $120 PSA 10, um, than risk it going down to, you know, $20 with a terrible season, but we're great numbers, 262, 364, 437 slugging for 
Kyle Lewis with a 126 WRC plus. Interestingly enough, he was 1% worse than he was the year before in WRC plus, which is the same as Fernando Tatis, if you remember earlier. Now let's look at Kyle Lewis's season, and we want to look just specifically at months. In July, he hit 455, two home runs. In August, he hit 286 in 28 games with six home runs and uh, two doubles. In September and October, he played 22 games and only hit 147 with three home runs and a double. That's terrible. And so we have a 60-game season, which is not long, and he was bad for half of it. And some of that is probably just the weirdness of COVID, that type of thing. And some of it's probably the league caught up to him. It took, he didn't play that many games his first year. If we go back, we can look. He played 18 games his first year, did really well, and then 58 games his second year. If this was one full season, the league probably would have caught up to him by the time they got to this, you know, the second half of the season. And then he has to adjust, and he did a really poor job of adjusting. Now, some of that has to do with the fact that they can't watch video mid-game like you used to be able to years previous. Uh, that's a huge deal for a lot of guys. I know it's a huge deal for Christian Yelich. And so uh, it could be that. It could be the league caught up to him. Is he going to adjust back? That is the question. Um, is his strikeout rate going to keep dropping? Is the walk rate going to stay there? Is the strikeout gonna, rate going to rise because – he doesn't adjust back, and so that's what I'm paying attention to. If we look at his card prices, a top series one PSA 10, 60 bucks, 60 bucks, um, $65 on February 11th. So we're saying $60 for a PSA 10 uh, top series one Kyle Lewis. Um, it'll be interesting to see where those go because it'll be interesting to see how he can adjust now in his uh, quote-unquote second full season of MLB baseball. And then Luis Roberts, same boat. Same boat here, and he had a 32.2% K rate, which is way higher. Of course, he's in his rookie season. Um, Kyle Lewis had 18 games to get ready for, uh, you know, this season. Luis Robert did not have that, but a 32.2% K rate, and he's had, you know, not high strikeout rates in the minors, but like mid twenties, you know, strikeout rates in the minors. So it's not like this is like a huge stretch. But I don't think he's going to be a thirty-two percent strikeout guy going forward because he never struck out more than thirty percent in the minors, or even close. It was the highest was like twenty-six percent, which you just saw. Um, eight point eight percent walk rate, good, not great, not fourteen percent like Kyle Lewis. A two hundred three ISO is fine, three hundred BABIP. That's the part that is kind of scary to me is that I would want him to have like maybe a 260 Bay Bip, 270 Bay Bip with these low 233, 302, 436 slugging. So 233 average, 302 on base and a 436 slugging for a 101 WRC plus. Um, I'd want that to be lower so that I feel like there's something I can build off of here. This profile scares me. Not high enough walk rate, too high of a strikeout rate. I expect that to drop. Maybe this will rise. But I'm not putting all my eggs in the Luis Robert basket, uh, not at all. And then if we look at his his uh, month by month, you're looking, and he hit 296 in July in seven games, 298 in August, and then a measly 136 in September and October in 23 games with one extra base hit, one, that being a home run. 
in September and October. So he too, like Kyle Lewis, struggled mightily in the second half of the season and people might've just caught on and now he has to adjust. Same things that apply to Kyle Lewis apply to Luis Robert. But I feel like so many people out there and there's going to be people grumpy at me for saying this. I already know it. I'm going to see in the YouTube comments. Somebody's going to say, or in the, you know, somebody's going to DM me or somebody is going to say on Instagram, how can you not like Kyle Lewis? Blah, blah, blah. He's so good. Blah, blah, blah. I understand. Walk rate's decent. The power is majestic. The stolen base opportunity is majestic. You know, we're talking a potential 40-40 guy, 30-30 at least. I get it. That being said, I look at his profile right now and I say to myself, I don't think, I don't think I want to invest in that. Maybe if this was like this 45 hit, maybe if that was a 60 or a 50, even a 50, 55, okay. Uh, a 45, I don't know. He scares me. He really, really does. And so if I have Luis Robert, I'm selling. I don't care if he becomes the best player in baseball. There is too much risk in this profile for me. A lot of people are are willing to take a risk, not me, and more power to you. You hold on, he becomes a 30-30, 30-40 guy, 40-30 guy, you know, and you're making huge money. We're talking, you know, if Juan, if Juan Soto can be a $300 PSA 10, Luis Robert can be a $300 PSA 10, but I'm not willing to take that risk with this profile that I'm seeing right here. And then let's look at the prices here real quick. And we have uh, $140 on February 15th for a top Series 2 PSA 10 of Luis Robert, right? And if one of these work, maybe it'll work. Nope. Suplex Insight's not working. Last bids, February 13th, $143 with shipping on a PSA 10. So $140 for a guy that could just as well strike out a bunch hit some bombs and hit 230 again. I don't think I want to invest in that. I'm sure many of you do, but not me. So those are the two storylines I've got tabs for the last storyline. And I've got no information for this. Um, just something I wanted to talk about is what is going to happen with the minor league players that didn't play in a year. So we know we have guys like Wander Franco. We've got guys like the Brewers, Bryce Terang who played in their, uh, you know, the closest complex to them. Um, I forget what it is called, summer camp or whatever they called it. I don't remember what they called it. But, you know, those guys got time playing against each other. And so, like, a guy like Bryce Terang got to play against a guy like Antonio Kelly and Ethan Small and Aaron Ashby, three of the best Brewers pitching prospects. And Antonio Kelly is a – or Antoine Kelly is a pop-up, you know, a – high helium guy that people are really excited about. And right now his base autos are like six bucks. And if everything people have been saying from all the prospect lists, expect him to be a, if he continues on this path, expect him to be a top hundred prospect by the end of this year, you know, those $6 autos could be 20, 25. So uh, could be a buying opportunity. He could also go the other way, risky, risky player, but he is looking up. Um, we're talking high, high nineties, fastball, a uh, good changeup, good slider type of guy who's throwing strikes and starting to get command. Um, but that's neither here nor there. What I'm curious on is not the Wander Francos and the Marco Luisianos of the world, but like guys like Julio Rodriguez who got injured, haven't played in a year. 
Um, other guys that got drafted haven't played. You know, what is going to happen to those guys? They were 20, now they're 22. They were 18, now they're 20, right? We've missed an entire year. And so I'm curious to see what happens to these prospects that we're really excited about after they've missed a year of playing time. And I just don't have any answers for you. I just don't know. We are going to all have to wait and see. But there's going to be guys that are probably pretty disappointing. You know, guys that you bought in at 21 who are like, they're going to be up by the time they're 22. I'm going to make a ton of money. Now they're 23. They've missed a season. They're still in double A. And uh, they don't do very well. You've lost. You're going to lose so much money um, betting on those types of guys. And so I hope everyone comes back and does as well as they possibly can. I just don't see it happening after everyone losing a year of uh, experience. Now, they're all in the same boat, but it'll be interesting to see which players can handle it better than others. And until we see them on the field and we see it for ourselves, we just won't know. And so for those of you that have Bowman Chrome Autos and Bowman Chrome uh, firsts, uh, good luck to you. I know I have a couple. I mean, I have a sitting on that little pinball machine back there on the bookshelf is a Wander Franco Mojo, right? I'm really excited about Wander Franco. Everyone is, obviously. And uh, I'm not worried about him because he played last summer. But guys that signed internationally in 2018 and didn't play last year, that those type of guys, or fourth-round picks, that showed some promise um, and drafted in 2019 and didn't play in 2020 concerning. So we'll see how that goes, but no answers yet. We'll learn out together. Anyways, guys, thank you for listening to Ding Corners. That is all I have for you today. Obviously the huge Fernando Tatis news cannot wait to see what the prices are tomorrow. Today is Wednesday, the 17th of February, 2021. And his, his uh, Fernando Tatis cards are almost $300. If I refresh this page right now, my goodness gracious, February 17th, it was $295 when we started this. One just sold for $356 on bids 20 minutes later. 20 minutes later, a Fernando Tatis is already selling $50 higher than the last sale, $60 higher than the last sale. A Fernando Tatis Tops Chrome Base PSA 10 just got bought for $410, $410. This is absurd. Prices are exploding. Um, if you got cards, might might be the right time to sell. Put it up for a decent buy it now, a little bit lower than the last sell. I guarantee you it will sell. If he doesn't come out hot at the start of the season, prices will drop and you can buy right back in. Anyways, guys, thank you for joining me on Dangin' Corners today, and I will talk to you again next week.